This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Folks, we're going to learn about an organization doing great work, especially on behalf of those who are currently and formerly incarcerated. Our very special guest is eminently qualified um, for this. He's a former Rikers inmate himself and uh, someone who hails from the Bronx. So we need him in this space doing this work. He's a deputy CEO of the organization I'm speaking of, the Fortune Society, building people, not prisons. Our dear brother from the Bronx joins us now, Stanley Richards. Brother Richards, welcome to Make It Plain. How are you, man? I am I'm blessed, Reverend Thompson. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for you know, having these ongoing conversations, you are shedding light and information on uh, issues that really impact our communities. And, and we need to be lifting up and speaking truth about what we can do about these current situations. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I just feel that, as I'm sure you do, you know, there are people facing crises and the headlines every day, the news cycle spins. Um, but then once the news cycle moves on to something else, we forget about the people in the crisis we just talked about. That's right. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, June 7th was the the commemoration of, I believe, Khalif's, Khalif Browder's death. Yes. Um, and when that happened, being in the news cycle. Mm-hmm. But obviously... That was not resolved. None of that has been resolved. And those types of problems still exist. So everybody should understand we, we mourn those who are suffering today. And probably by the time uh, Brother Richards and I finish talking, there'll be another tragedy. Unfortunately, another shooting. This, it happens so often. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are facing crises every day. In, our, in the carceral system. Mm-hmm. And that suffering, frankly, is, is no less, is it, Brother Richards? I mean, th- these things, and some of this stuff overlaps. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the disproportionate number of people who are impacted, black and brown, when you look at the communities they come from, uh, you can do sort of these mapping studies that look at a couple of overarching issues Poverty, mental illness, uh, high dropout rates from school. You could look at all of these sort of generational societal issues that are impacting those communities, homelessness. Um, And so when we talk about mass incarceration and we peel back the sort of foundational aspects of it, the institutional aspects of it, the sort of generational aspects of how we got to this particular point. And we talk about fixing the 
around the edges of the system. But we need to go deeper. We need to be talking about how do we bring economic health to the communities most impacted by incarceration? How do we bring redemption to those communities? How do we bring opportunities uh, for their children and their children's children to get access to decent education and higher education? Like, that's what we really need to be getting at when we talk about mass incarceration, disenfranchisement, uh, and the system that United States has been building for decades. Yeah, yeah. So let's start here. Tell us, obviously you touched on some of it, but tell us a bit more about the Fortune Society, uh, what it's been doing, and, and how you, you got involved. Yeah, uh, Fortune Society is just an amazing organization as far as I'm concerned. You know, I came to Fortune in 1991 when I came out of prison. Uh, I have cycled in and out of jail and prison my entire life, and it wasn't until my last incarceration where I went to school, I got my GED, I went to college when I was in prison, and I realized all the messages I heard in school about I was dumb and I wouldn't amount to anything, all the messages I heard from the sort of system about my opportunities and options being uh, hustling on the street, going to jail, surviving jail, coming back out, were all lies. That I was someone who was smart, able to manage my own life, and when I came home, I committed my life to helping others see what I saw in myself. And I applied jobs at a lot of organizations. And everybody was saying, oh, you need to have experience, but nobody was willing to give me a, a, an opportunity. And these are the same organizations that are doing this criminal justice work. And Fortune was the organization that hired me. And I say Fortune's the organization that walked the talk. And I started as a counselor here in 1991 and had a series of promotions. I left Fortune worked at Hunter College Center on AIDS, Drugs, and Community Health, sat on the Board of Corrections, went to be the first Deputy Commissioner of Operations at the New York City Department of Correction, first formerly incarcerated person to hold the second highest position in the New York City Department of Correction. And, and, and part of what we, what we do is, is, is we engage people when they come home we try to prevent people from going in through our range of services. Uh, and, and so I get a chance every single day to show other men and women who are coming home from prison or who are entering into the system that that doesn't have to be your option. And we have over 400 staff. 50% of our staff are people who are formerly incarcerated. 30% of our exec team is formerly incarcerated. And so we really walk the talk. And we provide the services people need to rebuild their lives, education, employment, licensed substance abuse, licensed mental health, housing, HIV AIDS case management, food and nutrition, creative arts, alternatives to incarceration, family reunification. You walk in through our door, no matter what door you walk through, you'll have access to all those services and we make a lifetime commitment to people. I want to ask you, and it's, and it's beautiful, and congratulations, too. Much respect for your work um, in, the, in the Department of Corrections in, in, in New York. I think when we, as you describe the work you all do, the necessity, and, and you yourself, because it's a cycle, mm -hmm. and you got you to gotta break it. What is it about that cycle, though, that is able 
to get a hold of people. And I, and I want to be clear. I've never seen it this way. And some, I guess more people are evolving to understand, you know, people, sometimes people think that there are things that happen to us that we some actually have control over, mm -hmm. you know, um, drug addiction is, is a health crisis. Mm -hmm. It's not a more people, you know, people used to judge people who smoke cigarettes. So, right. it's, it's, it's addictive. You That's just right. can't, that just doesn't go away. But it seems to me the carceral system is like that. There's something that just, that has an ability to grab hold. And we need you and the Fortune Society and other folk. And, I, and again, let me just say this, I'm so thankful that there are more people coming out of the system Working in places like yours, I was talking to another uh, uh, organization. Uh, I'm sure you know, uh, Deanna Hoskins over just leadership. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I was like, I'm so, I'm, I, more and more, I'm hearing, and and you know, I've been out here for a few years, but at one time, you didn't have folk on staff. Even the the advocacy groups right. didn't allow folk on staff who were formerly incarcerated. Now yeah. that's changing. Praise the Lord, and and here you are, deputy CEO. But but help our audience understand so that everybody's clear that 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 it ain't just willy nilly. You just can't right. sit now. Folks go to NA meetings, A meetings. Anybody who struggle with addiction, you got to keep going. That's right. There's something that pulls you. Now the carceral system is not an an addictive drug or alcohol, but it's still something that's grabbing. It'll come get you if you if you're apathetic about it. That's right. What we say is it centers around hope, right? I haven't met anybody, including myself, when I got released. I never once said, oh, I can't wait to go back into that cell. I can't wait to get rearrested and go back to jail. But what happens is you learn how to survive in that environment, and you begin to think because the messages you hear, both overtly and covertly, the messages you hear, that's all you're destined for. And so you learn to live that life. And you come out with an ounce of hope saying, I don't want to go back. I don't want to relapse. I want to do the right thing. And you come out here and you engage system barrier after system barrier after system barrier. And all of those barriers chip away at those hope, at that hope. And people get to a point where they say, F it. Nothing's ever going to change. I'm never going to be able to do anything. I'm a complete failure, and they begin to do the things that they have learned to do and are comfortable doing. And so part of what we do at Fortune, we, our motto is we see the beauty in people before they see it in themselves. And our job is to hold who they could be until they begin to, one, see it, and two, begin to live it. And we know that people walk in with a, a tiny bit of hope, Sometimes people walk in because they're mandated by their parole, and it is our job not to see them for what they did. We don't have no charge exclusions. We don't care how much time you did, because for us, that doesn't matter. What matters is who do you want to be, and how do we help you get there? And I'll, I'll end with this story. I grew up in Soundview uh, in the Bronx. I was involved in gangs, selling drugs on the corner, all of this stuff. And my son came up, when I went to prison, my son came up, and he knew my reputation on the street, and so did everybody else. And my son thought he had to live my reputation. He ended up getting locked up and going to jail. And when I came home, him and I talked, and 
we developed a really good relationship and I told him my story and my story and my conversation with him changed his life because it was at that moment that he realized that he didn't have to follow in my footsteps. He didn't have to live my reputation and he knew that he could change because he saw me change. And yeah. so it's about hope. It's about modeling. It's about patience. Uh, and it's about seeing the best in people. And sometimes, as humans are, people will fail people. So we take no ownership of someone's success when people tell us, oh, I, I, I accomplished this because of fortune. I, I say, no. I say, fortune provided the framework. But my friend, you did the work. The, the framework and the infrastructure. Um, <laughs> that That's important. And, and that is a... That is a beautiful story that, that hearing you tell that. And that's a sermon, frankly, uh, um, preacher to preacher. Uh, you can preach that, that'll preach. But, but let me just say, as I'm hearing you say that, though, uh, I hope our listeners can embrace it. I'm sure you can, that when we talk about the need for hope, that is not confined to just those who are in the carceral system. Mm-hmm. And the irony of that is we live in a country that is marketed and believed by many to be the land of hopes and dreams. And yet we need more hope. Uh, hope is, escapes many of us who are in the system or adjacent to the system. Uh, and let's face it, uh, all of us at one time, maybe people can say this, but, but most of us um, are at this hour, maybe one person removed from a relationship with the carceral system. If it's not as personal as someone we know or someone who knows somebody we know, but most of us know someone whom that, whom that it, it impacts. You talked about the, 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 the person, the individual mm-hmm. and renewing that hope and providing opportunities. But the fortune society is, is also challenging the system itself and agitating for actual change too, correct? That's right. That's right. We, our mission is twofold. To support successful reentry and promoting alternatives to incarceration uh, to strengthen the communities, right? And we do that by believing in the power of people to change, making sure our services are shaped by the men and women and people who walk through our doors, and three, by changing the system. And so advocacy is a big part of what we do. Years ago, we made a decision uh, that we don't want to just be uh, available to people when the damage and the trauma of mass incarceration has already happened. We want to begin to change the system that allows so many people to get chewed up. And so we want to change the bill legislation. We want to change how we do, how uh, states and cities and localities use the precious resource of incarceration. We want to change the conditions uh, that people experience if they have to be incarcerated. And so we do a lot of advocacy trying to change the system that chews up so many people, and disproportionately black and brown people. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are, are, are we seeing... Are you seeing progress in that regard? Are we at a place of late? I mean, we have a, a new administration in the White House, relatively new. Yeah. Are, are you you seeing any, you feel like you're making any dents? I feel like we're, we're chipping away, okay. particularly here in New York, I feel like we're chipping away, but we're at a dangerous uh, point, I think, in our country's uh, time when it comes to mass incarceration. We have seen across this country an increase in crime as we come out of two and a half years of isolation and COVID. And the concern that we have and what we've been hearing is this narrative that we need to go back to what we know doesn't work. We need to go back to increasing our policing. We need to get more aggressive with our policing tactics. We need to incarcerate more people. And if we have learned anything over the years, what we have learned is that we can see crime coming down at the same time we see incarcerations come down in New York City. New York City, if you look at us over the last 20 to 30 years, you'll see crime coming down, you'll see mass incarceration coming down. And we need to look at what is the variable that allowed those two two things to come down simultaneously while we can have a safe city and fewer people incarcerated. When I was in the system in New York, uh, over 100,000 people were going through Rikers Island a year, and there was like 22,000 people detained. We are now down to about around 5,400 people currently detained in New York City jails. So we went from a massive mass incarceration system to a system that's much manageable. Eight, over 8 million people in a city, and we only have 5,400 people. We are working on closing Rikers Island and building a borough-based jail system that will only house 3,300 people. So we know that we can achieve safety and a smaller footprint on incarceration, but it takes real investments, it takes focus, and it takes political will to get it done and not speak to the broad narrative that's unfounded, but speak to the truth of the data and what we know works. So Rikers will be closed. Rikers will be closed. Uh, we heard from Mayor Adams, uh, his, his office saying that they are going to follow the law 
and the law in New York City as uh, designed by the city council and signed by the previous mayor is that Rikers Island in 2027 can no longer be used to detain people. And there's an $8 billion investment to build smaller, more efficient, borough-based jails closer to courts, closer to family members, with built-in access for services for those who have to be detained. And it's a win-win for those who have to be detained, and it's a win-win for the officers who have to work in the facility. But now you did acknowledge that crime is going up. And that's the narrative, quite frankly, we're hearing from New York City and from the mayor almost every day. Mm -hmm. Does that, I guess you alluded to this, does that raise a level of concern about incarceration going back up again? And and what are the challenges when, when crime is going up? What are the challenges to making the case against mass incarceration? Because the the argument is that well, crime goes up, we need to lock more people up. We need to have more police and we need to arrest more people. How, how does the fortunes, how does fortune society deal with that? What we see is that we have a mental health issue. We have a homelessness issue. We have a hopelessness issue and we need to deal with that. We need to really be able to be strategic and nimble and to separate out what tends to happen with elected officials and policymakers is that an incident happens and they make this umbrella policy that sucks up and draws up so many people who don't need to get caught up in that system. And we need to be strategic about uh, what we see uh, when it comes to particularly around gun violence. And we need to be strategic about when we see people with mental illness going through our system, when we see people who are homeless going through our system. And what are the economic opportunities for the communities who are hardest hit by those uh, increasing crimes so that we can prevent people from committing the crimes in the first place? And so what we're saying at Fortune is let's not address this particular issue with a sledgehammer. Let's address it strategically. Uh, one of the things we did with bail reform when, we, when New York State and New York City did bail reform uh, we've seen the ones who were coming out on bail reform, they were not going back in. The majority of the folks that got on a bail reform went to court, didn't get rearrested, and was in, able to be in the community safely. Crime went up. You heard this narrative. It's because of bail reform. That is false. The data doesn't prove that. So we're saying as an agency, we need to be strategic. Uh, we don't need to create policies that we've seen, uh, like Rockefeller drug laws and other policies that really exacerbated the number of people who were going into prisons and jails. You mentioned mental health. I've been saying this, and, and I'm going to get a New Yorker now to back me up, y'all, because some of y'all may not get it in terms of what people are facing here in New York. When the first subway shooter, mm -hmm. the brother turned himself in, right, he calls and that people were going, oh, I'm gonna and then when the brother said, he looked, when he went, turned himself, he looked right in the camera and he said, Mr. Mayor, I am a product of the New York mental health system. And shut it all down. And everybody in New York said, oh, am I right? Everybody, that changed right. the perspective. And folk, you know, there was a little more empathy. 
Right. Like almost even from the white folks, they were like, oh, OK, you know, so I just want to say that with another New Yorker person, because oh, yeah. you know, we that's the that's the that's the reality. And nobody has questioned it since. It matter of fact, not even front page story anymore, because that kind of was like almost matter of fact. Yeah. And, and and we know it in New York because we see it. I'm sure it's happening all over the country. It's like people are decompensating in ways we haven't seen before. And in New York City, the shelters aren't safe. They are massive entities where people don't feel safe. People would rather be on the street. And so you see homeless people and you see homeless people with significant mental illness. Uh, and it's something that we need to address. We need to, and this mayor is doing something about it in the borough-based jail system. He has, uh, is creating I think like 200 or 300 mental health, behavioral health beds for people who have uh, interaction with the criminal justice system. And instead of incarcerating them in a jail, they are giving them treatment and getting them uh, access to mental health care. It's not enough. It's a start. It's not enough. Now, the other thing that's important is that uh, you... Uh, you're involved. In fact, you open the Trinity Reverend William James Senior Apartments in the Bronx. You're dealing with housing. That's important because yeah. uh, look, y'all. I mean, Fortune Society is doing what it can do, but would I be wrong if I said throughout the country, in general, folks coming out end up going right back in because when they come out, there is nothing for them. That's right. No one to help them. And I know you wish you could put your hands on everybody walking out that door but i know that's impossible we'd like to get to that point mm -hmm. but and, and housing where are you supposed to live we supposed to do so tell us about the housing uh, project oh yeah I, we started doing housing because people were walking in our doors they were at seeking employment services education services but living in a shelter and how do you go to a job when you're living in a shelter which is almost like being in prison you're in survival mode and so we decided as an organization, we wanted to do housing. And so we opened up uh, Fortune Academy, which is an emergency and transitional housing for people who are uh, homeless and formerly incarcerated. Then we opened up Castle Gardens, which is 114 unit, affordable and supportive housing, providing affordable housing for people in West Harlem and providing 63 units for people who are formerly incarcerated. We now have opened up what's called the Mandela Project uh, in the Bronx for seniors because what we've seen is as a result of the Rockefeller drug laws changing and these long sentences coming to an end, we're seeing people who did 30, 25, 40 years ending up in a shelter. And if you want to send someone who's 65, 70 years old into a shelter, you are guaranteeing that they're going to go back just because they don't want to be in a shelter and that they have learned how to survive in prison. That is a horrible option for them. And so we opened up a senior uh, building for seniors who are homeless and formerly incarcerated where we're pulling them out the shelter, giving them a safe place to live uh, and to live the rest of their days. Wow. That, that's that's very important uh, uh, as well, folks, all the work that the Fortune Society is doing. If people are listening who need help or have loved ones who they know need help, Brother Riches, what, what should they do? Uh, they can call Fortune Society. 
or visit our website, www.fortunesociety.org, uh, and there's information about how they can access services. The other thing we're doing, and this applies to anybody throughout this country, we are open to sharing what we're doing, sharing our model. We have actually, actually replicated our housing model in Syracuse with an organization, Center for Community Alternatives, and they replicated our model of uh, emergency transitional and phase permanent housing. We worked with folks in Colorado. Um, Brother Hassan has opened up um, a, a, a reentry center that includes housing for, for folks coming out of uh, prison uh, in Colorado. And so we're open to sharing our model. We're working with people in Philadelphia. We, as you said, would love to touch everybody. We know we can't do that, but we are absolutely willing to share what we've learned and to share our model so others can replicate it and create uh, a way of people welcoming people home and providing housing. Deputy CEO of the Fortune Society, our brother Stanley Richards, doing great, great work. Um, and um, and he's one who's had the experience, so he's more than qualified. Folks, we invite you to go to fortunesociety.org to learn more. This is this is me and us being introduced to the Fortune Society. So what this means is the next time Brother Richards comes on, um, we can drill down even more to some things that, that are happening and he can give us some specific assignments, how we can help. That's what we want to do. We want to do. We don't want to do talk radio, Brother Richards. We always want to do do radio. Uh, but but now we know what the Fortune Society is and we see the urgency of the work. Uh, folks, there's 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 plenty to go around in terms of, of work that all of us can do in our own lives, in our own individual ministries. You don't have to be a minister to minister. Minister just means to you look at the dictionary. Minister is a verb. It means to serve. That's the first definition. It doesn't mean just to wear a collar. Um, you know, some folks are more doing more ministering than some of us wearing the collars. And so, you know, it, it, it says in all the scriptures, whatever your faith, that we have to care for those who have not. That we have to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit those who are in prison. That's what it says. Jesus put that in the list. Um, and say nothing about looking at Netflix or TikTok. It, it said <laughs> that's what we need to be doing. And, and our brother here. I'm I'm moved by his experience and the story he shared about his son and the struggle we're in. But for the grace of God goes any one of us. Um, some of us still think, you know, well, that is not going to be me and that's never going to affect me. I bet it does. And may have already you not, you know, maybe in denial about it. But fortunesociety.org, go there, learn more so that the next time and I promise it'll be next time Brother Richards joins us. We can talk about some things that we can do to help even more. I'm, I'm sure y'all take donations. Yes, we do. Absolutely. So y'all wait have, on it. We have volunteers. We welcome volunteers to come help create the community. Uh, you know, one of the things we say is at Fortune, we get the community. We get to create the community that we wish we live in, a community of healing, a community of seeing each other, a community of valuing each other, the community of seeing the best in each other. And I love the scripture you just referenced. It's because when you do those things, when you close somebody and you feed somebody and you visit someone when they're locked in, you doing it for your higher power, my higher power, 
my Lord and Savior. So, right, that's right. Some of y'all try to get to heaven doing some other things, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Won't be on the works. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Brother Stanley Rich's fortunesociety.org. My brother, fellow uh, Bronx, and he's really Bronx. I'm, I'm, I'm transplant, but he's for real Bronx. Y'all, uh, uh, brother, we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Reverend Thompson. I appreciate you, man. And keep up the good work on sharing these stories and telling people about what's happening. Uh, we all need to be leaning in on this. And I just uh, thank God for you. And I have prayer and covering for you to continue this amazing, amazing work that you do. So thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother. I'm praying for you as well. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.